Well, cheers, everyone. Welcome back to the Heath Bar. It's been a spell yet again. I'm noticing a trend with uh, this show as it kind of comes and goes in waves. It comes and goes in waves. Anyone heard that song? Probably not, but... Anyway, that's kind of how it works. You know, I got a, I got a busy life, uh, kids and, and work and, and all that jazz. So the podcast uh, is a release for me, but it is something that um, can't be as regularly scheduled as I would like. And that's okay. Maybe someday. But for now, it is what it is. I hope you've been enjoying it when it does show up surprisingly in your uh, notifications, if that's something that you have set to be notified for in your podcast app of choice. But in the meantime, it's good to be back. Uh, I got actually something really new for you today. So we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But once again, um, everything going on with the show currently still, it's all happening on the website at the heathbarpodcast.com. You can pay attention to everything going on there as well as with me. Um, anytime I'll be performing or playing or anything I'm writing or doing is all up there as well. Uh, gigs and stuff have obviously been slow this winter, uh, with COVID and with everything else going on in the world. So, uh, a lot of that has died down, but, uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So stay tuned. There will probably be some announcements coming up within the following months or so. So hopefully this summer, at least for sure. But in the meantime, just wanted to share that with you. Uh, I decided to do something a bit different. Uh, not really different, I guess, but it's different for me. Uh, it's easy. I'm, I'm starting a new segment. Let me. Do, I'll just put it out there like that. Uh, a lot of my show is interviewing people. And uh, I love doing that and always will continue to do that. And then uh, I'm kind of changing a little bit on what the the whiskey talk segment will be about. Um, I enjoy doing that and I enjoy kind of diving in deep and talking through some deeper topics and deeper issues. But I don't think that's the best place for it. I would rather do that with someone else. Um, I would rather do that with people that want to have a deeper conversation uh, and talk through some, some, uh, some better, some difficult topics or some interesting topics. Doesn't always have to be difficult. So I think whiskey talk is going to morph a bit. So um, you'll probably have some of the same guests that I've had on the uh, the Heath Bar and its regular um, segments with the interviews and that. Maybe some of them I'll bring back in, and we're just going to talk about some some other issues and stuff and some deeper things, some of our, our thoughts and stuff on that. Uh, but in the meantime, I still wanted to be able to uh, share um, some of my own thoughts on things and things that I see and just share it with you. Um, I don't know if some of you enjoy that. Some of you might not. And that's fine, which is why I'm making it a whole separate segment. Uh, so if you see a podcast episode post and it's of this segment and you're really not into it, you can just skip it and wait for the next interview one. <laughs> but I figured if I split up the segments well enough, uh, when they do post, the people that are interested would know which ones to go to. And the people that aren't can just pass and wait for the next, uh, next one that they do like. Um, so yeah, that's what it's going to be. This is uh, going to be a new segment on the Heath bar. I'll do it 
I don't know how often it'll happen. Every now and then as things cross my head, uh, but I'm calling it heathenology. <laughs> I'm still trying to be clever and use my name in things. Uh, but what this will do, this segment is going to be uh, me talking through um, some life lessons and some some challenges and things that I've heard and read um, just in my my own personal history of growing up um, studying theology and um, how I see a lot of those topics and a lot of those stories um, now versus how I used to when I was younger and took a lot of things uh, dogmatically, I guess. Now that I'm older and have lived quite a few extra experiences, I could say. Uh, I thought it worth rehashing some of these older uh, biblical stories and older uh, examples of some ancient texts that we've still have in the world today and what lessons and things we can gain from them, um, especially if we're not somebody who who's religious. Um, so if you're like me and you're not really a religious person, uh, but you're curious as to why stories last and what lessons people get out of them, um, this might be the place. This might be a, a good segment for you to, to give a shot at and just listen to. Um, and if you are someone who is religious and you um, feel... I don't know, feel anything, whatever, whether you're feeling like, like you're hearing the same stuff over and over and over, or you're just looking for different perspectives on, on issues and stories and stuff. Uh, you could maybe get something out of this as well. Um, but yeah, the heathenology thing. Um, uh, so the heathen is a, is a kind of a fun, um, fun word. In, in the history books, um, it's the, the literal basic definition is someone that doesn't belong to a widely held religion, which uh, is just fitting that it also is my name and it's what I am. <laughs> so you can, you can take that for what it is, uh, but I thought it'd be fun to just talk some theology uh, maybe just for, even for myself, maybe this is something that no one's going to listen to and no one's going to enjoy, but it, whatever it's, it's for me and just talking through things and thoughts that I have on, on topics and things. So, so that's what this is. This is heathenology at the Heath bar. Um, and, uh, the, f for the future of this segment, um, I hope it goes well. I hope we have some, I don't know. I hope I bring some interesting stuff to the table, I guess, for you all to listen to and, you know, you all to comment on and, and respond back to, uh, because I think it'd be fun. I, I enjoyed talking about these things. I enjoy um, communicating, you know, my perspective on a lot of these things, a lot of these stories, a lot of these topics and things that get brought up when people think about theology, which is really just thinking about God, which is really just thinking about things greater than yourself when you really boil it down, um, which I think is important uh, to keep that in mind that there's 
whatever it is, there's something greater than us. It doesn't have to be of the spiritual or religious nature, but I think everybody can agree that you, whoever you are listening right now, are not the end all be all of existence. So there's things, there's things bigger than you. And that's kind of where my head goes when I think about this stuff and uh, where I think um, this segment will be focused on a lot as you listen to it. So um, yeah, with that, uh, let's, let's give it a shot, shall we? You guys bear with me and hope you enjoy uh, this first segment of Heathenology at the Heath Bar. I've been watching the news a lot lately, as I'm sure most of us have been these days. And, and I find myself teetering on the extreme ends of, of binge watching and reading every news article I can and then going all the way to the other side and avoiding, avoiding all news and all topics like it's a hostile X. <laughs> um, and for whatever reason, I haven't yet been able to find a healthy balance of news to maintain um, as a steady diet for my own mental health. It's either gluttonous consumption or it's pious abstinence. Uh, On any given day, I may be the virgin or the whore with my news. And recently my pendulum has been very lopsided toward the whore side. Uh, I kind of find myself diving in way more than I probably should. Um, But there's something to be said though about staying informed so I'm not going to knock it. Uh, however, I do want to say that I think intermittent, intermittent moments of fasting can be good, good for the soul, uh, I think, anyway. But the past several years has made fasting very hard to do. <laughs> uh, it seems like each news cycle gets juicier and juicier, uh, and we have all become addicts to stories we ultimately really know nothing about. We think we do... Uh, but all we have to go off is what's being presented to us, which at best is ignorantly not giving the whole picture, and at worst is purposefully biased towards a particular view. And we're not there, we're not the ones in the know, so we kind of have to go with what we're told. Um, but having grown up in America, uh, Christian America for that matter, uh, it can get hard to see the world from anything other than my own set of eyes my own experiences, my own worldview. However, if we're going to live peacefully, uh, that's exactly the challenge that I think we must, we all must overcome. And while I no longer subscribe to that particular brand of faith for mental dietary reasons, <laughs> there's moments where the stories that I have ingrained within me shine through like a flood lamp in a dark room. It's almost as if the stories contained in the Bible were meant for more than cheap slogans, crappy music, and the lips of men blinded by their own theology that they actually prevent truth from being shared. Most recently, the story of the Tower of Babel has been on my mind. Probably because I'm all, I've always been a sucker for the classics. That's just me. It's how I do it. 
but for those that aren't familiar, here's, here's a brief summary. The story is found early on in the Bible, Genesis 11 to be exact, uh, and is used often as a popular myth to explain why there are and have been multiple languages in the world. As the story starts out, we find all of humanity operating on only one language, one common speech. Humanity grew and expanded and settled in a place that historians think is what we call northeastern Syria today. While here, humanity had a breakthrough in technology and discovered bricks. Up to this point, it's taught that stonework was the builder's medium of choice. Bricks, however, proved to be a better and more efficient method for construction and advanced the capabilities of this particular civilization immensely. So much so that they got together to build a city. Within this city, they also decided that they would build a tower. Not just any tower either. In the words of Genesis, a, quote, tower that reaches to the heavens, end quote. Imagine any iconic skyscraper or skyline structure in a city today. It defines the city. It seems this idea is as old as civilization itself. People always want to be known. So they set to work and begin building what is commonly believed to have been the largest built structure at the time. This catches the attention of Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And it would make sense to think that God was impressed with their accomplishments. But this didn't seem to lead him to pride. You know, like a father would be proud of what their children have done. As you're reading the story, the reader gets the impression that this led God to a state of, oh, dare I say, fear? Not fear in the sense of him believing they would one day overpower him. Think of this fear as more in the sense of being afraid they would grow beyond their britches, so to speak. He even says in the story that if this, quote, one people with one language have begun something like this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them, end quote. Now, I don't think that he was concerned about having a rival to his ability to do the impossible either. The more I think about the story, the more I get the feeling that he was concerned about them getting lost, as if realizing all they could do would somehow cause them to see no need to look back at the map. Anyway, it says that God, or well, the gods, depending on how you read it, since it's used in the plural sense, went down and confused their languages so that they could not understand each other. He then scattered them across the earth so that the city, and by default the tower, stopped being built, hence the name Babel. Confused, misunderstood, scattered. Now, it's believed that this story was written around seven to 8,000 years ago. So at first glance, it seems like an outdated myth of ancient humanity when viewed through the lenses we see things with today. And to a certain extent, that's correct. But it's foolish and, dare I say, childish to see this story as literal. Any literal interpretation of this quickly causes the story to be easily dismissed as silly. 
And unfortunately, modern evangelical teaching has done just that, resulting in, I think, the deep lessons this story holds to be lost on deaf ears and blind eyes. For someone like me, who has long since moved past banging his head against the brick wall of literalism with the Bible, a story like this opens up like life being breathed into lungs, as if it's alive itself speaking to humanity like a fresh new word. I'd go so far as to say that the dogma of our religious institutions has trapped the life of this story, and many like it, in a very small box for centuries. So, if you'll allow me a moment of indulgence with my thoughts and this story, I'd like to open that box. All right, here we go. So this ultimately, I believe, is a story about power. We find a cluster of humanity with seemingly unlimited potential to do anything they wanted. And as an American, I don't have to imagine at all about what that would be like. We are, to date at least, the most powerful country the world has ever seen. They had an unprecedented new technology at their disposal, bricks, which afforded them dominion over wherever they chose to settle. If they could think it up, they could create it. It was only a matter of time before someone said, hey, let's see how high we can go. With a powerful city built, full of solid, solidly built structures, they set their sights on the heavens to make a name for themselves. People traveling near and far would see this tower and know what city this was, know what people lived there, and be in awe of their accomplishments. It's a form of showing strength, you could say, a way of saying, look what we can do. Now, we don't really know how high they got, but at some point, their understanding of each other went away. The language in the story uses the God character to cause this. But for those of us who know how to read the Old Testament, know that the God character is often brought into the story as a stand-in for something outside the people's control. A conquering army, a flood, the destruction of a city, the death of a loved one, etc. Something greater than humanity, or seemingly greater than. Or, yeah, something greater than humanity, or seemingly greater than, caused something to the people, which they attributed to God. Or perhaps it was something that happened from an outside larger picture that just wasn't understood. Uh, imagine uh, living in an area and there's a famine going on, but the famine's going on miles and miles away from you, but that's where all of your trade grain comes from and you have no idea why the grain stopped coming. It's happening and you just don't see the bigger picture. So you attribute, they attributed those types of events to God. So with this in mind, you could read the story as the more powerful they got and the higher up they went, the less they agreed on what direction to go or how much the foundation could withstand or how to build. They couldn't come to agreements because they couldn't understand the view of what should be done 
from the other person's eyes, which they attributed to the gods confusing their language. So this leads to division, maybe even squabbles. Squabble. (laughs) I like that word. Uh, But regardless, the progress of the tower, the de facto example of the progress of the people in the story begins to slow and eventually stops. They had bricks. This new technology that at some point no one could agree on how to use and the progress stopped. Now at this point, you may think that I'm being liberal with my reading of the story. And you're right. I would say, though, isn't the point of stories to be alive and speak differently to different people? This story has meant many different things to me throughout my life, and this is yet another lesson from it. I find the beauty of the stories within the Bible is that they, much like humanity, have many different sides to them. And locking them into one rigid meaning of literacy or whatever, I think it loses much of its glimmer. Now, I can't help but parallel this story with our time in history today. We arguably live in the era with the most power, most technological advances, and connection the world has ever seen. This, of course, sweeps aside the numerous theories of ancient aliens or super advanced species deep in our Earth's long lost history, which I'm at peace with. Some things can't be known, so let's just focus on that which we do know. Let's assume we are the most powerful, the most technologically advanced, and the most connected people the world has ever seen, globally. Now, if there was ever a modern-day example of a powerful culture wanting to make a name for themselves, you could list any first-world country and pretty much hit a bullseye. But I think if you want to hit the top of that list, arguably, you would say America. The country we have built since its founding in 1776 is nothing short of godlike. There's really nothing we couldn't accomplish if we found ourselves in unity with each other. The power and wealth and presence we bring to the table at any world gathering is unmatched. That being said, though, it's hard not to look at where things are at right now and wonder if the gods have confused our language. Our world's technological marvel, most would say, I think, is the internet. The communication we have with anyone across the country, and world for that matter, is instantaneous. And with translation software, we've created a way through the barriers of language to, in essence, speak one language again. And add on to that, social media's rise in 1977, and you now give everyone on the planet a voice to be heard if they so choose. Now, I'm aware that certain dictatorship countries ban this opportunity and there's some, you know, less wealthy countries that don't have the, those options also, but the technology exists for them regardless, should that ever change. Now, it's easy to think that having this new technology, this brick, so to speak, this new way of building something is miraculous and good. And honestly, for the most part, you'd probably be right. I fear, though, what it's done to our communication. It's not that far of a stretch to see the progress of America coming to a screeching halt when you jump online today. 
though we have the ability to communicate with anyone and everyone, we somehow have lost the ability to understand anyone who has a different worldview than ours. Rather than working together as one unified country, we're scattered in our understandings and see anyone not in our group as the other. It's as if something greater than us, outside of our control, beyond what we can grasp right now, is causing something to us. And I can't help but come back to the phrase, the Lord said, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Now remember, the God character is used as a placeholder to reference something beyond human control, or another way to put it, something that no one saw coming. We live in a world where we can have 100 people read a tweet and get 100 different meanings from it. Even worse, we seem to have no interest into understanding the writer's original intent. What it means to the reader is the meaning. So, without clarification and without seeking understanding, we attack. And we do so because we don't fully understand the other. We've lost the ability to do so. We, if I may, babble in front of each other endlessly and are no longer progressing onward and forward into unity. Social media has connected us like never before, but without understanding, we truly have no idea what the other is saying. Without taking the time to understand, we turn to people whose jobs it is to help us understand the news. And if I have to go into the levers that get pulled behind the scenes there to spin a story to what the powers be that desired then we just may be too late. This is all another way for me to say that if you don't have the time to truly dig in and understand something someone said or did, then perhaps being quiet about it yourself is the best path towards progress. Not everything in the world needs your opinion. Focus on that which you have time to understand. And even if you disagree with the person after you do understand them, recognize their value to have differing opinions and stop seeing them as the other. We know how the story of Babel ends. The people get scattered. Now, I don't know if they had an alternative, but I would venture a guess that they did. This story is describing something that happened long before it was written down and trying to make sense of it. I wonder what could happen if we recognize the signs and similarities and change course. Would we be able to stop the confusion? To stop the babbling? Could we slow down in our thoughts and conclusion making long enough to truly understand the person talking or tweeting in front of us? Is it possible that we may find more in common than we think, or is the media truly correct in its polarization of our country? Have we really gotten so high up in this tower of tweets and followers that we have no choice but to rip each other apart to our doom? Now, America's foundation isn't without its flaws, but I'd like to believe that we as a people have enough of a strong foundation to build on to reach further and higher and be an example to all 
of what can be accomplished if we see each other as one. The alternative, and perhaps the destiny of every people throughout history who get too big, is destruction. I'd say we have a choice, but the path towards progress doesn't come without work and patience and slowing down a bit. Jumping to conclusions every time we read a 260-character tweet only divides us more. And as strong as any foundation may be, it's going to have its breaking points. The higher up we go, the more we need unity. So put the work in. Take the effort to understand those who differ from you. See them as human and see them as your fellow Americans one side, one team, or alternatively, we can witness in real time Babel Part 2. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, like I said, it's my thoughts on a story I grew up with and looking at it through a different set of lenses um, outside of the dogmatic uh, theology taught to me as I was growing up. I think that all of story, all of the stories like this, not just in the Bible, but in ancient texts uh, survived for a reason. And I think there's lessons to gain in them. And if we would stop boxing them into systematic theologies and organized religions, there's something everybody can gain from reading stories like this and lessons to be learned and applied to our lives today uh, without the whole fear of damnation and hell <laughs> for reading it liberally and for having a different understanding and opinion of it than what is commonly believed to be the correct or right way Um I enjoy going through stories like this and seeing them differently. Uh, it's how I've always kind of viewed things, which is probably why I didn't do so well in the organized religion of today, but uh, I'm okay with that. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode of Heathenology here at the Heath Bar, uh, let me know and let me know if you think I should do more. I would love to hear from you. Even if you disagree, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your thoughts on it, or maybe you know of how to take my words further. Maybe I didn't go far enough, or maybe there's something you would tweak uh, to make it sound better. Um, let's chat. So thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.